0: picture and seeing it there face to face in person is just amazing I wasn't able to do the whole trail but I hope to do the whole thing at another time but I remember one day we were hiking along I like to get out uh, ahead of the group just be just because't I, I don't like to sit in camp putting my stuff away I like to get it packed away quickly and get on the trail and then I can take breaks whenever I want to and just have some time praying and talking to God and enjoying the scenery, the nature, awesome experience. So, we're out hiking along one day, and we get to a place called Thousand Island Lake. When you get home, look it up on Google, there are some amazing pictures, Thousand Island Lake. So, we get there, and there's a hiker, a young lady, who seems to be a little frazzled. She seems to be nervous, she's upset, we start talking to her, and we say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you doing all right? She said, well, I'm hiking with some friends, and I'm the slow hiker in the group, so I set out a couple hours before my friends in the morning, and we made an agreement. We said, wherever I stop, you guys will stop with me at the end of the day. So just keep hiking until you get to me. The only problem was, on this particular day, she was hiking along and hiked down the wrong trail. Not just a couple hundred feet, but a couple of miles. Down trail, until she finally meets somebody who helps her realize that she took a left-hand turn when she was supposed to go straight. And so now, she's gone four miles or so out of her way, and she knows by this time, her friends have passed by that intersection. And they're just going to keep on hiking and hiking and hiking until they find her, but they're not going to find her. And so, as you can imagine, she was just all in a in quite a state. And we said to her, well, go ahead and hike with us. Hike with us. Um, We'll see what we can do. I bet your friends will probably stop after a certain time. And you know what? At the end of the day, we hiked with her, and eventually her friends realized there's no way she would have gone this far. They turned around, and there was a happy reunion in that moment. You know, I realized something, and I remembered something in that experience. While the trail that we might be hiking on might have its ups and downs, it might have its difficulties, it's far better to be on the right path, the right road, even with the challenges, than to be on the wrong road, the wrong path. Today we're going back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, continuing on, and Paul is going to encourage Timothy to stay on the path that he's on, even if... There are difficulties. And it's not an if, it's so much as it is a when. There are challenges. Last week we saw that, that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, predicted, prophesied that the last days, the end time, would be a time where there'd be people who are claiming the name of Christ, claiming to live as Christians, but representing anything but Christ and Christianity. We led that, read that long list of those Uh, behaviors, selfishness, lovers of themselves, spiteful, slanderous, all sorts of things. And so it's no wonder when we look around our world and we see Christians on the news who are treating people in the name of their faith that are not representing the Christ that we know and serve. When we see that on the news, we say prophecy is being fulfilled. And we were encouraged last week to not only be Christians in name, but most importantly, to allow the power of Jesus to transform our hearts and lives, so that we don't find ourselves in the same boat. So here, now Paul, after talking about these false Christians, it's not just enough to have a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says you're a Christian. Um, You have to have Christ in your heart to be a Christian. In in that backdrop, Paul is now going to point to himself, not as a way to be boastful, but to say, Hey, Timothy, there's some bad examples, and then there are people like me I have my own flaws, but I've been trying to serve God with my whole heart. Look at my example, not in a boastful way, but in a helpful way as a mentor does for his mentee. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. Paul says, "You, however, know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance." Timothy, you may have seen these false teachers. You may have seen these people who claim to be Christians, But remember, there are people out there in this world who are trying to do what's right. Remember the things that I've been doing. Remember my example, my love, my endurance. And then verse 11, he says, my persecutions. Because Paul's not trying to sugarcoat the Christian walk. He's not trying to say everything's going to be roses when you become a follower of Jesus. He's honest with the Christian faith. He says, there are persecutions and sufferings. What things happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured. You know, when you go back and you read in the book of Acts, chapter 13 and 14, what Paul went through in these cities, it's pretty impressive. I mean, as far as his endurance. In Antioch, he was kicked out of the city because he was preaching the gospel. In Lystra, there was talk about stoning the people who were following God, and in fact, in Lystra, he was stoned. The Bible says they thought he was dead, so they left him. They would have kept on going if they realized he was still alive. They left him for dead outside the city and continued on their way. But what's so amazing is what Paul says next. He says, remember what happened to me? There's persecution in this world. But check it out. He says in the second half of verse 11, Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Amen. you got to love Paul's perspective of things. He, he was stoned. They thought he was dead. And yet he says, praise God, he spared me. He rescued me from all of these things. You see, I think Paul realized, yes, the Christian road can be bumpy. It can be curvy. It can go through some mountain passes. But in the end, he knew where his destination was. He knew it was much better to stay on the path, though it might have challenges, than to be on a different path. And so he says, praise God, he rescued me from all of these things. He delivered me. And then he he says, in fact, verse 12, everyone who wants to be a godly person, who live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. You know, there are some pastors today who just want to preach a prosperity gospel, and they say, hey, God wants to make you rich. He wants to make you prosperous. He wants to make all these things happen to you in your life. And I hope that those things happen. That would be nice, as long as they don't lead you astray from God. Um, And oftentimes, you can get rich by donating to their ministry, right? Um, We could talk a lot about those type of things. But as I read the Bible... I read a very honest approach saying, hey, there's going to be a lot of good. And we've talked about that in other passages. But Paul says there's going to be things that will happen because you're a Christian, because you're trying to do the right thing. There's going to be people, there will be people, who aren't going to like it. And they're going to get in your way. They're going to antagonize you. We talked about this in our, in our lesson this morning, our Sabbath school lesson. The persecutions that Christians face. And I tell you what, here in, here in America, we have it so easy. We have it so, so easy where our brothers and sisters around the world are suffering and being killed for the name of Christ. About as bad as it gets for us here is we might lose a job because of our religious convictions, which is a, which is a very difficult thing. Uh, or we might have some people who don't understand what we're doing and might disagree with us. Uh, but in other places in the world, people don't have it so easy. But Paul says you should expect these things. Expect it and plan on it. But just know, the end of the road ends in a much better destination. And I tell you what, I'd rather have some obstacles in my way, some challenges on my path, and have Jesus to stand by my side and help me than to go on an easier path without Jesus. How about you? And the Apostle Paul, and after all he'd gone through, he could say, God delivered me. In another place... He says, our light affliction is just passing. Almost being stoned to death. And he says, it was was a light affliction. No big deal. Just a flesh wound. Paul knew where the road was leading. He knew his final Destination. And so he could say, Expect these things. There will be challenges, but stay on the path. Stay on the path. Look at what he says. First of all, in verse 13, he says, While evil men and imposters are going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, expect bad people will keep on doing bad stuff. That's going to happen in life. And you know what? Even if you live apart from Jesus, there's going to be bad things that will happen to you in life. So do you want bad things without Jesus or do you want bad things? with Jesus. I'd rather have him by my side knowing where my path is taking me, knowing I'm on the right path. And so the apostle Paul says to Timothy, he says, "But as for you, verse 14, continue on in what you have learned and become convinced of. Just keep going on." As that fish said in that movie, I believe his name was her name was Nemo. Well, actually it was Dory. She said, just keep swimming, right? And sometimes that's our approach to life. Just keep going on. Just keep moving from one thing to the next. One prayer to the next. One Sabbath to the next. One day by day. Sometimes that has to be our approach. Just keep moving forward. I love to hike. I enjoy hiking. I love being in the mountains. And sometimes the path is steep. But just because this path gets steep doesn't mean that I should abandon the path when things get difficult. Because if I abandon the path, then I'm going to be going across country. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I might end up lost. I might end up falling off a cliff. These things happen in Yosemite, unfortunately, sometimes. The path will have its bumps. It will have its turns. But stay on the path because the path leads to our destination and we know what that will be like. You know, we just had some baptisms today. So excited for you, Zach and Heather and Teresita. Uh, There will be challenges, new obstacles that you'll face as you've made this um, commitment today. But stay on the path. Continue in the things that you've learned. The Apostle Paul continues. He says, continue on these things that you've become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. He's reminding him of his grandmother, Lois, and his mom, Eunice, that were there to teach him about God from the very beginning. Remember those people, even himself, who was a part of teaching Timothy the way of the Lord. You know, it it can help us go through difficult times when we remember the people who've been influential, these Christian role models and mentors. All of us need to have spiritual mentors in our life. It could be someone older, it could be someone younger, but somebody who's more mature in the faith because they can help you get through the difficult times. And if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have someone like that, I challenge you to just ask somebody. Find somebody here at church that you value and appreciate or somebody else in your life and say, hey, would would you help be my spiritual mentor? Can I come to you if I have questions? Maybe you don't know the answer, but we can pray about it. Can I come to you? Can I call you if I have things that I need to pray about? We're stronger together. Remember the people who have taught you these things. Verse 15, And how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. From a young age, Timothy knew about the scriptures that are able to make him wise for salvation. You know, we can be wise about a lot of things. We can be wise about sports. We can be wise about what's going on in the news, about what's going on in our culture. We can be wise about cars. We can be wise about a lot of different things. But the thing that we should be the most wise about is salvation. Paul says the scriptures make us wise for salvation. That's the knowledge that's going to matter the most. That's the knowledge that's going to be most important. And who is it through? It's through Christ. Wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. None of it happens through our own knowledge. You can memorize the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and still be lost if you don't encounter and accept Jesus into your life. I heard a story about a man who was put in prison. This was years ago. He was put in this dungeon, asked for a Bible. The Bible was given to him. He spent his life sentence in this cell. And when he died, they took his body out and they looked on the wall of his prison. And on the wall, he'd been doing some writing based on his Bible reading. And on the wall, he wrote things like, the middle verse in the Bible is this verse. The middle letter of the Bible is this letter. The middle word of the Bible. And it was just a whole bunch of random trivia. He had a lot of time to do all that stuff. But if he didn't encounter Jesus and didn't accept Jesus into his life, then all of his time reading the Bible was useless. We learn about things in the Bible because they teach us more about the one who has saved us, who is saving us, and who will save us. That's the point. That's the point. So Paul points to Timothy, as he's encouraging him to stay on the road, to stay on the path, he points him back to the scriptures. He points him back to the people who've been meaningful in his life. Points them back to the things that he's learned. And then Paul gives us some more information. He teaches us more about what the importance of the Bible is. Verse 16 and 17. He says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I remember having a Bible study with some people one time, kind of a group study, and somebody was saying, ah, you don't need this part of the Bible. And I said, well, hey, wait, hold on a second. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for such and such. And he said, So says Timothy. And I said to him, well, it's actually written by Paul, uh, the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Sometimes we have this view that uh, maybe it's just the New Testament that's important, or there's some parts of the Bible that aren't useful, and so forth. Paul says, uh-uh, all of it is useful. Amen. And by the way, he was writing the New Testament at that time, so he's primarily thinking and, and experiencing the scriptures of the Old Testament. Exactly. The New Testament is founded on the Old Testament. Jesus loved the Old Testament. You wouldn't throw away the love notes that your wife sent to you before you got married, would you? Oh, no. Well, that was before we were married. And now that we're married, that's the only stuff that really matters, right? David, don't do it. <laughs> Keep those. <laughs> yeah, so the Old Testament points us forward to Jesus. And the New Testament points us to Jesus, back to Jesus. Uh, we wouldn't be able to understand a lot of the things in the New Testament if it weren't for the old. Some people say, oh, the Bible has been translated so many times. It's been changed. You can't depend on it. You can't rely on it. Well, guess what? They found the Dead Sea Scrolls, scrolls preserved from before the time of Christ. And they compared the Old Testament manuscripts with the ones that we, we had, that, which were copied from a later time. And they were almost identical, there were only minor changes, little spelling, little typos that you and I would make if we were writing out the Bible verse by verse, hand by hand, letter by letter. The Bible hasn't changed in any sort of way. It makes any sort of difference. Um, the Bible has proved the test of time. You know, it's the most popular selling book every single year, but they don't put it on the lists anymore. They sell way more Bibles than they do Harry Potter books. Way more Bibles than any of the popular... Authors, today, there's something special about this book. It's because the Apostle Paul says it's God-breathed, inspired. Picture a, a sailboat being blown along by the breeze. The authors of the Bible, they had their mind. God didn't just take them over and make them robots. They had their humanity involved, but it was like they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit, writing down words in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that are useful, written over a period of 1,600 years, three different continents, 40 different authors at least, and yet the Bible is so harmonious. It speaks about some of the most controversial subjects, but yet the message is clear, and the central theme of Jesus and his salvation by grace alone, through faith, rings clear page by page. What's it useful for? The Bible here says, verse 16, it's useful for teaching. Other translations say doctrine. Some people say, ah, oh, we don't need doctrine. Doctrine just means teaching. How can you not have teaching? Teaching teaches us about Jesus, <laughs> teaches us about how he's done things in the past and what he's going to do in the future. That's what doctrine's about, that's what teaching is about. It's useful for rebuking or for reproof. That's not giving us a license to just go beat people over the heads with a Bible. You know, the best way to be reproved or rebuked is to read the Bible yourself and let the Holy Spirit do it. And I've been beat down by the Holy Spirit at times, in a good way. Because God just wants to keep us on the right path. That's what it's all about, the road ahead, staying on his path, correcting us. When we have little errors in our thinking, God's word corrects us. Then it says training in righteousness. Righteousness just means right living. The more we apply the principles of Scripture in our life, the the better our lives should be. And one of the big things in the Bible is is loving each other, right? The more we apply this book in our life, the more we should love others, even if we disagree with them. Even if they have a different political view than you, or a different view on this topic or that topic, love should come through in every interaction with people. That's what this book is about. So that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants us to be ready, equipped for anything we might face. Most of all, this book is supposed to change our hearts, as we mentioned. There was a man in Australia sitting on a bench one day. He was reading his Bible. This man had been a part of a tribe back in the day who were involved in cannibalism. You know what that is? He'd become a Christian and, praise God, he'd given up those things. So he's sitting there reading his Bible on this bench, and a skeptic of the Bible comes along and he sits down next to him and he says, why are you reading that book? It's full of lies, it's full of fairy tales, blah, 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 blah. And the man said, well, with all due respect to you, sir, if it weren't for this book and for its impact in my life, I'd be eating you for dinner tonight. <laughs> and this is true, right? These type of things happen. People's lives are changed. Has your life been changed? I find that I don't just need to read once in my life, I need changing every single day. Because while I'm secure in my salvation, Jesus wants to make me into a better person. He wants me to be a better minister for him day by day. Nicer to my wife. Nicer to the people I interact with. So I need daily doses of God's word in my life. It helps keep me on the right path. Like a map or a GPS for a hiker or for a driver, the Bible helps keep us on the right path. Paul says, continue in the things that you've learned. Remember the people who've been influential. Remember the things you've been convinced of and remember the scriptures that are able to change your life and make you more like God. The year was 1939. The place was Nazi Germany. Pastor Franz Hasel was drafted at the age of 40 into Hitler's army. He had a couple problems. Problem number one, he didn't want to kill anybody. Um, Problem number two, he certainly didn't believe in what Hitler was doing. He also had his religious convictions that he wanted to keep. So he joins this unit, Unit 699. They were part of the front team that would go in at at advance of the main army and would build bridges across rivers because uh, the enemies were blowing up bridges. They would go in and build bridges, sometimes behind enemy lines. Massive casualties in his unit. In fact, of the 1,200 or so people who started, only seven survived from his unit. He was one of them in the end. He wrote a book, you can read about it, called A Thousand Shall Fall, written by his granddaughter. They tell, they tell the story about one day towards the end of the war when Pastor Hazel was asked by his commanding officer to come have a, have a talk with him. He went into the makeshift office, sat down there in the chair, and his commander said, Hazel, is Germany going to win the war? And he thought, and he said, is this an official or unofficial conversation? And the officer said unofficial. He took his hat off. That was the unwritten signal that they could talk freely and openly. So Hazel, because of his knowledge of the scriptures that are able to make us wise for salvation and wise in a lot of other areas, he took his commander to Daniel chapter 2 and he went through that prophecy that many of us are familiar with about an outline of the, the history of Europe specifically, nation by nation, from Daniel's day 2,600 years ago down through the future until a time when Christ will come back and take us home to heaven. And as he went through this prophecy, which predicted the rise and fall of major nations, major empires, he took his commander and he showed him how Europe, according to the prophecy, would be divided until the Lord returns. Not one single entity, not one empire ruling over it. And he said, I believe, I'm convinced that Hitler's army, that we will lose the war because the Bible says there will not be another empire in Europe. After its breakup of the Roman Empire. Tough words to say to your commander. Tough words to say, I'm fighting a losing battle. But at the end of the conversation, they put their hats back on, and the commander said, Come back at nine in the morning. I want you to share the same thing with me, and can you leave me your Bible? So he did. Next morning, they came back. There were two gentlemen sitting on the left and the right hand side of the commander. And as they sat down, the commander said, Hazel, I want you to say the same thing you told me yesterday. So he went through the same story, the same prophecy, how nation after nation will rise and fall, but Europe will remain divided until the second coming of Jesus. Not a single empire. No thousand years of peace as Hitler was hoping for. There was kind of some, un- no, or some unspoken communication going back and forth between Uh, the the gentleman on either side of the commander but as it was done they kind of nodded in agreement and the commander said Hazel I want to let you know these guys before they joined the, the army they were professors of history and they have just verified everything you've said all the historical fulfillments of these prophecies they have validated and that was it A few more months go by, time passes, and of course, on that day in May of 1945, Germany surrenders, and eventually, this horrible war came to a close. Meanwhile, Hazel and his unit, what was left of it, were hundreds, if not thousands of miles into the heart of Russia. But a funny thing had been happening in those last several months. While the war had been raging on, the commander had been rationing the fuel usage. He'd been trying to save as much gasoline as possible. He'd been trying to not use as much food. He'd been rationing these vital supplies. And when the war was over, and when soldiers from all sorts of units were left to walk back, ride back, try and get back for months, Unit 699 had some reserves because the commander had been convinced that Germany would lose the war. And they got back to their homes and to their families fast, safe, well-fed, and secure because of the power of God's word. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration for God, above God, and is profitable for so many things. Sure, the road ahead, it may have some bumps, it may have some turns, some unexpected dips... That's what Paul was telling Timothy. But in the end, he's saying, the scriptures can make you wise for salvation. Cling to them, hold on to them, and they will keep you safe wherever life takes you. That's the challenge for Timothy. That's the challenge for you and me today. Scriptures only benefit our lives, though, if we open them up and we spend time in them. So what are you going to do with the Bible that you have? Most of us have many Bibles in our homes. What are you going to do with the app on your phone? The challenge today is to be intentional. Rooting and grounding our lives in God's word. When the challenges come, clinging to them, calling out to people, brothers and sisters in the church, saying, hey, pray with me. I'm facing a challenge. The road is rocky right now, but I want to get through it. I want to get to the finish line I want to see Jesus someday soon. Is that your desire? Amen. Amen. By the way, some of you may have been inspired by the baptisms this morning. And if you're thinking about baptism, want to know what it takes to be prepared to also make this public declaration of your faith for Jesus, talk to me. Um, I'd love to help you prepare. I'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Let's pray. Dear Father, we are so grateful That though the path may be rough, we've got you by our side. And the path leads in paradise, a place where we'll have no more suffering ever again. Lord, we want to be there. We want our family members to be there, our friends to be there, this whole world to be there. So change our hearts day by day so that we can be better witnesses for you. That we can be kinder to the people around us. Remind us to stay rooted and grounded in your word and rooted and grounded in what we've become convinced of. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.